Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Vince August podcast. Um, this one's going to be a little different than the usual podcasts. Uh, one, it's going to be shorter. Um, not a lot of topics to cover this week. Uh, two, I'm going to be covering um, areas of pop culture as we have a, a fiasco going on over at ABC. Um, staying with ABC, I'm going to talk about a recent experience I had in Walt Disney World. But we are going to start with something that happened in the NBA. And if you're not a sports fan, this is not so much about sports per se as it is just pop culture in general and the United States and America and how we just turn athletes into just icons. And I really scratch my head and how we pick and choose this. So for dating purposes, today is April 22nd, 2016. Last week, Kobe Bryant uh, on Wednesday, April, I guess that was the 13th, had his final game in the NBA, and the outpouring of emotion for this guy around the league and by people in general, to me, was so over the top, so ridiculous, that I was like, Wow, where are we as a nation where this is one of our heroes? Um, I was blown away by how big of a deal they made this retirement. Um, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I had zero interest in watching the game. Um, And there's a couple ways to look at this thing. First of all, let's take Kobe Bryant, the athlete. Was he a great basketball player? Absolutely. Um, When you look at the history of the NBA, you know, he falls in somewhere um, near the top. I don't think he's top 10. I don't think he's close to top 10. But listen, even if he's top 20, you know, when you consider the fact that you're in the top 20 of a sport that's nearly 100 years old, that's pretty amazing. So I'll give him that. But, you know, he, he doesn't come close to the guys that are at the very, very top. I'm sorry, he's not Michael Jordan. He's not Magic Johnson. He's no Larry Bird. Tim Duncan, who's played his career at the same time as Kobe. So that's the thing. In, in my mind, Kobe Bryant wasn't even the best of his era at any point in time. I, I think there was always a better player out there than him. So that's the first thing. In terms of being a player, he wasn't the best while he was playing. Um, you know, he certainly had the help of playing in Los Angeles and being in the spotlight in Los Angeles. And in terms of, you know, well, he was loyal to his team. LeBron James left Cleveland, went to Miami, you know, to try to win titles and then came back to Cleveland basically to get a payday. And because there was a better situation in Cleveland than was in Miami, he's the ultimate selfish player. I agree with that. I think LeBron James is without a doubt. The ultimate selfish player. I, listen, I, I don't put LeBron James in, in Kobe Bryant's category just yet. And I don't think Kobe's that high up. So, you know, in, in terms of where he fits into NBA history, whatever. I don't like comparing guys from errors. It is what it is. But when I look at Kobe Bryant as a person, here's the thing that stands out to me. His last game, I think, was emblematic of who he is as a person. He took 50 shots in his last game in what was a meaningless game. He made it all about him. 
And I think it's always, always been all about Colby in Los Angeles. He had a feud with Shaquille O'Neal, um, and he, you know, he made every effort to paint himself to be the face of the Los Angeles Lakers over Shaquille O'Neal. He couldn't get along with one of his teammates. That that is, you know, you could see right there he, he, the selfishness. You know, when when you have an opportunity to have a great teammate with you and you could win championship after championship, you know, he wasn't about making his teammates better and being part of a team. He was all about himself. Michael Jordan, exact opposite. Magic Johnson, exact opposite. Larry Bird, exact opposite. Uh, but the other thing is, I mean, are are people forgetting that this guy was involved in a major, major rape scandal in Colorado? I think it was in 2003. And what came from that was this secret civil suit settlement. But even worse than that was the lawyer's for Kobe Bryant painted this woman out to be just, you know, the the person who created the problem there. I mean, talk about, you know, taking a victim and making them really the catalyst of a situation. It was absolutely crazy what happened with that whole thing. And I, I think about athletes and how we pick and choose you know, what makes an athlete bad and should be shunned forever? And then how we forgive other athletes. I mean, you look at Michael Vick. Michael Vick owned the house where one of the people, I guess, that was living in the house was running this dog fighting ring. I don't know that Michael Vick was ever directly tied to the dog fighting. Now, you're talking to an animal lover. The only tattoo on my body is a paw print of my last dog. I am an animal lover to the nth degree. In fact, I don't eat meat. I've limited my diet to mainly fish, chicken, turkey. I won't eat any other type of animal. I'm I'm not full vegetarian, obviously. But, you know, if you talk to a vegetarian, you talk to people, they say, you know what, Vin? Better to do what you're doing than just not caring. So I'm an animal lover. Um, and, I, you know, when I, I compare what Michael Vick did in, in giving permission to use his house for dogfighting and Kobe Bryant accused of raping a young girl and then making himself out to be like it wasn't his fault and somehow this girl who was a victim in that situation was the catalyst or whatever i mean how do you how do you separate the two you know where where do we start drawing lines and then you take lance armstrong who was you know drug doping blood doping and drug you know using drugs to enhance his performance as a bike racer you know when everybody was doing it you know is that worse than a you know a, a sexual assault accusation you know it's it's weird how we draw lines and say well we forgive you but not you i mean mike tyson went to jail on a rape that, listen, I followed the case and I kind of scratched my head listening to the facts of the case and how it was presented. And, you know, Mike Tyson did his time, has got out. We've seen him in a couple hangover movies. He's been on Broadway. Seems to be forgiven for a rape. Mike Vick with dogfighting simply won't be forgiven. Lance Armstrong 
with blood doping, cheating, and lying in a sport where it seemed like everybody was cheating and lying, not forgiven. Pete Rose, you know, bet on his own team, not forgiven by the Baseball Hall of Fame. It, it's just a really weird moral criteria that we use for different athletes, and I can't figure out for the life of me why we choose to forgive some over others. Um, there's a ton of them out there that have been in trouble for different things. For some reason, Kobe Bryant got a pass. I don't know how or why. And a lot of the athletes I just named didn't or never will. Then you have athletes that when they do make an accusation, like Peyton Manning right now is under all kinds of accusations for potential um, performance-enhancing drugs and, and being involved in some type of weird you know, stuff back in his days at Tennessee half of his lifetime ago. And it's, it's almost always dismissed with a guy like Peyton Manning. You know, for some reason, we need to protect the brand that is Peyton Manning. And even, you know, like yeah, I take LeBron James, who left Cleveland to go to Miami to win championships and then decided on going back to Cleveland. Everyone tried to make this such an angelic move that he's returning home. No, he left a worse situation for a better situation. That better situation happens to be where he originally was. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I would be surprised if LeBron James stays in Cleveland the rest of his career. Mark my words, LeBron James is going to wind up in the Laker uniform someday. He's going to wind up playing in Los Angeles or New York. He's going to be in a big market again. He is not finishing his playing days in Cleveland. I would be really surprised because LeBron James seems to me one of the more selfish players in sports. He wants spotlight. He's all about spotlight. But getting back to my point, we have a, a, a thing about putting certain athletes on such pedestals in this country. We forgive some, never forgive others. And listen, we do it with actors too. Um, there are certain actors we, we immediately give a pass to when they get involved with drugs and, and God knows what. Then other people will make a statement and the, the you know politically correct offensive police come out and they do their best to ban this person from just life and existence. I mean, Mel Gibson, God, he, he made some horrific statements about Jewish people and, you know, did, go, went on these phone call rants with his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or whatever it was that he was with. And it was just, he became demonic, became demonic. But then you have, you know, certain actors that are involved in, you know, drugs or, you know, you have reality stars that put out that are involved in sex videos and are just, you know, God, look at reality TV in general. These people are paid to create really nasty fights and drama in their lives and the lives of others for a living. Listen, I've always said it. I, I think the guy, uh, Andy Cohen, is the devil <laughs> um, when it comes to just moral standards and entertainment, not the devil in terms of, you know, just in life, he's one of the, the most evil creature in the universe. No, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to putting stuff on television, I think what he does is disgusting. 
Um, he gets off on sitting in these rooms at the end of seasons with people on these reality shows and just pitting them against each other and trying to bring out the worst in our society. And to me, that's not television to me. That's just weird voyeurism, you know, just, you know, getting off on people being at their worst and showing people at their worst. And to me, you televise that showing people at their worst and then reward them with television deals and contracts and, and promotional deals and everything else. What well, really, what are you putting out there? And I, I, I think Andy Cohen needs to be responsible for that. So it, it's weird. Like even Teresa Judice or Judice, whatever the hell her name is, real housewife from New Jersey goes to jail for tax evasion, comes out and, and, you know, Bravo just can't wait to put her back on the housewives of New Jersey. You know, people are lining up and, and just, Oh my God, she's so great. Again, she broke the law. She was convicted of a crime and served time for it. She's fine. But somehow Lance Armstrong, who took drugs and cheated in his sport, didn't go to jail for anything, didn't commit any quote-unquote crime, didn't break any laws. Yes, some deep, moral issues. Do I like Lance Armstrong? Not at all. I didn't like him from the beginning. I thought he was too cocky and arrogant for his own good. But again, how do you weigh what's forgivable and what's not? And we have a really weird criteria in this country for doing that. And it makes no sense. There's no real sensical approach to our moral standards anymore in America. And what behavior is you know a, a permanent scarlet letter and what is a temporary scarlet letter that we'll all get over but you know that that's what I, I kind of got out of the Kobe Bryant retirement and just you know talking about retirements in general from sports you know athletes come out when they have to retire from a game and just burst into tears and to me these press conferences, are so self-serving. It's so self-righteous because basically the tears are, I can no longer perform at the level I was performing and now I have to stop doing my job and be an ordinary person with millions of millions of dollars at my disposal. I'm sorry, you're, I, I watch athletes cry at these press conferences. I don't get moved at all. I don't feel any sympathy for them. I, I don't even understand the press conference thing. Um, the farewell tour and everyone bestowing gifts upon these people. Thank you for gracing the field. I don't get all of that because to me, the thanks for gracing the field is the fan applause at each game, your contract, and the wins and losses. It, it's an everyday thing. But the fact that some of these players go on this farewell tour and, you know, everywhere they go, they get a gift and they're just, you know, kneeled at. And, oh, my God, you know, you, you changed our lives. Listen, I don't get it. And people around the country, I'm in the minority, I think, on this one. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. People around the country just, you know, shed tears and are so destroyed when athletes retire and I'm like wow man I I wish I had your problems 
I wish I was, you know, I was moved to tears by something like that because that, that's not the thing that gets me going. There's a lot more important things in our society than a guy retiring from a game and having to go to, and live out his life spending his millions that he's earned or sit behind a microphone now and get paid even more millions to give commentary on the game he can no longer play. I, I don't get it. I, don't, I just don't get it. But again, but the, the moral standards and the pedestals and, and the, the appreciation we give certain people in this country just blows my mind. And I'm going to tell you who's mainly responsible for it, and that's ESPN. ESPN has created this thing in sports that the individual is bigger than the team. Um, look, you can have anything happen on a given sports night, and ESPN always seems to lead with the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. You could see ESPN is in bed with LeBron James. No matter what's going on in all the different sports, you have playoff games going on. Who cares? What did LeBron James do tonight? They make the individual bigger than the team. And I think that that's really damaging from the pros all the way down to kids playing in schoolyards, any organized sport, and everything else. Because ultimately what they're seeing is the individual is more important than the team. And I, I really blame ESPN for doing that. ESPN... I think was the the main catalyst in taking individuals from teams and making them more important than the team itself. And it's a shame that it's become that because it used to be the name on the front of the jersey was more important than the name in the back of the jersey. That's not the case anymore. It simply isn't. Um, so that's my take on, on on athletes and retirements and just again, I'm trying to make sense of why. Certain people get a pass and others don't. Um, I guess following with ESPN, which is owned by ABC, uh, let, let's keep with the ABC family. Uh, this past weekend, uh, April 15th, 16th, 17th, I went down to uh, Walt Disney World in Orlando and took part of the inaugural Star Wars Dark Side of the Force uh, marathon race series challenge, whatever you want to call it. There was a 5K on Friday the 15th, a 10K on the 16th, and a half marathon on a on the Sunday the 17th. I registered for the 5K and a half. I tried to get into 10K too. I wanted to do 5K, 10K, half. Couldn't get into it because it was sold out. Um, let me tell you, I had a really bad leg injury back in 2009, and my tibia was crushed. It was the depression fracture and a split and. Um, you know, the doctor's um, initial prognosis was that if the surgery was successful, the hope was that someday I would walk without a limp. Um, but without a doubt, I would never run again. And if I did run again, the furthest I would probably run, I'd be able to run 5K races um, just to finish. And I, I made a point of trying to prove doctors wrong. And within two years of my surgery, I wound up running the New York City Marathon. My doctor told me, no, don't do it. It's stupid with your injury. You're only going to hurt yourself. Um, my doctor was, was probably right. Uh, I finished the, the marathon in five hours, seven minutes. And the last six miles were miserable. I was on pace for a four and a half hour finish. And just my, my good knee, my left knee went out at mile 20. 
Then my right knee went out shortly thereafter, and the last six miles, every step was pain, and it was just absolutely brutal. I uh, worked on my body to come back and started running half marathons and found them to be enjoyable. And at the end of the, the difference between running a half marathon and a full marathon for me is at the end of a marathon, you're done for two weeks, or at least I am. I should say me because there are people out there that can run marathons just seemingly every day and, and have no issues. Uh, for me, for my injuries, I have herniated discs in my back. I have a reconstructed right leg. After a marathon, I, I was done for two weeks. After a half marathon, you feel like a human being. Um, in fact, we sp- I did the 5K on Friday morning. We spent the day at Universal. We kind of took it easy on Saturday. Uh, we walked around Disney Springs. Sunday, did the half marathon. There was five of us. And that later that day, we did Epcot. We did Magic Kingdom. I mean, I, I, my Fitbit, I wound up registering over 40,000 steps, almost you know 21 miles or whatever it was. So that's the great thing about doing a half marathon. You feel like a, a human being afterwards. But getting back to my point, Disney does something with these races that is really, really great. Um, my fiance, who had never run over nine miles in her life, I, I enlisted her for this thing. And she was scared to death that she wasn't going to finish. They were going to take her off the course because you have to finish within a certain amount of time. She wound up running this half marathon. And she said to me afterwards, I never turned my iPod on. She said there was so much fun. The sights, the sounds was really incredible. You know, there was Star Wars music playing throughout. There was big screens showing clips from the movies Depending on the park you were in, there was a, a lineup in the Animal Kingdom of stormtroopers. I mean, literally 15 people dressed up in stormtrooper uniforms. Darth Vader, Chewbacca. Uh, you know, I took a picture with BB-8, R2-D2. And it allows people as they're running to stop, take pictures with the characters, and really enjoy the race. The race is not meant to be run for time. Uh, and I possibly made the mistake of trying to go for my best time. I wound up getting it. I was shooting for under two hours. I did two hours and four minutes. And the reason you can't do time is two. The one I get, the one is the course. The course is designed in Disney to run through the park. So you're running through the theme park and you're not going to have wide lanes to run. Because when you're running through Epcot or you're running through Hollywood Studios, you have the space that people normally walk through the theme park. You know, when you run along the boardwalk, you have the boardwalk. There are certain points of the race where you're literally funneled, where you could basically fit three people across to move on this road. So it makes it very difficult. But the other thing I noticed is some people walk the entire course. Basically sign up for this thing and walk um, and, and have no intention of running at any point in time. But worse than that, you know, there's an etiquette that if you're a walker, you stay to a side. You let the runners run. And to me, the lack of etiquette shown by certain people in these situations is really amazing. The selfishness of certain people in these situations. Then the other thing is if you do this thing where it's walk-run where you run for a couple minutes, then walk for a minute, run for a couple minutes. When you go from run to walk, you're supposed to put up your hand to indicate to the runners behind you, you're going to slow down and stop, run around me, I'm going to try to get out of your way. 
it amazed me that maybe two in every 10 people did that. One person, as I was running through Epcot, actually stopped. They missed one of the characters, realized it about 50 feet after they ran past the character, stopped, turned around, and started running towards the runners. Another person missed the water spot and just ran directly across. It's amazing to me how selfish people can be in certain situations. And again, I guess this all ties in together with selfishness in sports and athletics and just... Or maybe it's just a selfishness in our society that people just have no regard for anybody around them. There was points in time where people were walking on this course three across where you could barely fit three people across. There was one point, there was four guys walking four across, just walking, talking, chatting. Another person was walking and texting on their phone. You don't know how tempted I was to smack the phone out of their hand. And it's like, have some regard for what's going on around you. Be aware of what's happening around you and let everybody enjoy this moment. It's not just about you walking through the park, seeing Star Wars characters and taking pictures. It's about everything. Stay to the side. So on the one hand, I I love running the Disney runs. I love running the Disney races. This is my second time doing it. My third race. I did two races this weekend, one the last weekend. I'm almost certainly going to do it again. But, you know, Disney and the runners that do these things, there's got to be something that's done to make this more enjoyable for everybody so that runners are allowed to run. And walkers can do what they have to do and just walk and take your pictures and get your medal and whatever you, whatever it is you're doing and, and kind of make it fun for everybody. Because I, I don't want to be running for three, four hours. You know, if, if you can run a pace that lets you enjoy it and get through it in two hours, I shouldn't be forced to do it in three because you want to walk in front of me. Um, but other than that, Disney has, they have that theme park thing down, man. Let me tell you, as I'm coming back from the run, and I'm, I guess I'm on mile 10, we already saw street cleaners coming past us, cleaning the road, picking up the cones, that by the time we went back to Epcot later that morning, after the race was done, you would never know. There was a race. There were water stations. There were timers. There were. It's amazing how that organization at those theme parks has that down to a science. And let me tell you, we went to Universal earlier in the day and they do a good job, but but nobody runs a theme park like Disney. It really is amazing. The runs are a lot of fun. Um, if you're interested in doing a Disney run and if you've never done it, it's a really enjoyable run. It's You're not going to do it for time. Get time out of your head, but it's a fun thing to do. We went down there. It was a group of us. It was a family. So much fun. Last thing, and look, this this whole thing is about ABC. It seems like this whole week, this whole podcast is about ABC. Last thing uh, I want to hit is there is an absolute disaster going on with Kelly and Michael. There's a morning show, if you don't know, in uh, on ABC that's taped live in New York, um, or it's live to tape, I'm not even sure, um, at ABC Studios. Right on 66th and, and Columbus, that area there, uh, near Lincoln Center. And it's Kelly Ripa and Michael Strahan. Kelly Ripa was a soap opera actress, grew up in New Jersey, 
Uh, I want to say she's about 45 years old. So she had her soap opera fame and eventually took the chair um, from, oh, what's her name with Regis Philbin? Um, uh, Kathy Lee. It was Regis and Kathy Lee. Kelly Ripa takes the chair from Kathy Lee and it becomes Regis and Kelly, which was a very weird chemistry because you had this really older guy and then this young blonde. And there were moments where like Kelly would do this thing to create this sexual tension. And it was really weird and awkward. And then eventually, you know, Regis retired. And um, apparently from what I've been reading this week, um, Kelly Ripa seems to be taking credit for bringing Michael Strahan on board. I mean, the, the sources are making it clear that she wants it to be known. She stuck out her neck to get Michael Strahan on the show. I don't know what the dealings were, but basically what this show is, is two people sit at a table, drink coffee in the morning. They talk about pop culture. They talk about their lives the night events, what they did last night. Um, just, you know, celebrities being celebrities and, and, you know, here's, here's my life and how awesome it is. Or, oh my God, listen to the struggles I had yesterday when, you know, I had my nanny have to drop off my kid and, you know, it's out of touch with reality and what most of us deal with. And then what they normally do is interview some celebrity who's coming in and promoting something. And that's the show. And it's, you know, just. I don't know, inane talk, you know, nothing earth shattering. You're, it's it's certainly not John Stewart's daily show. It's not John Oliver. You're not coming away with any important information from these shows. Um, it is pure pop culture celebrity chat. Um, they're they're not curing the world of any evils. Believe me. So this is what this show is. Um, Michael Strahan played for the New York Giants for years and for the last four years has been making his way into the talk circuit. I mean, he was a commentator for Fox Sports for the Sunday football games, eventually wound up on Good Morning America and then, you know, sat in the chair and Kelly Ripa and Michael Strahan eventually got this show together. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I barely watched when it was Regis and Kathy Lee. I certainly didn't watch much at all when it was. Um, Regis and Kelly. I started to try to watch when it became Kelly and Michael for the simple fact that I felt, you know what, Michael Strahan, close to my age, 40 years old. Kelly's my age, 46 years old. Um, maybe this will be, or 45 years old, maybe this will be something that would appeal to me because now the, you have two people there in the same age demographic as me. Let me give this a shot. In my opinion... This is just my opinion. This is my critique. The show was unwatchable. Um, there was no chemistry between these two people whatsoever. You could see they're two people from two completely different backgrounds. The stories they would come in, their personal reflections had nothing to do with one another. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Kelly Ripa. Um, I, I don't, she does nothing to entertain me. Michael Strahan, just the show, in my opinion, didn't work. Uh, but that's just me. That's me as you know, a 46-year-old Caucasian male flipping through the channels. That's not going to work for me. And if you say, well, what does work for me? Again, you know, I would watch The Daily Show. I would watch you know, John Oliver. Um, I watch a lot of the talking heads you know, on, on different shows. Um, I, I flip them on and off depending. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not... 
I wouldn't say I'm I'm a have to watch this type of show, talk show person, um, but you know take it for what it's worth. I I just find that type of pop culture chatter to be just mindless, and I I don't get into it. This show didn't work for me. Didn't work for me at all. Well, this week, Michael Strahan announces on Wednesday that. He's going to leave the show and join Good Morning America. Apparently, Good Morning America is the cash cow for ABC. And Michael Strahan, I guess when he did appear on the show and started to become a member of the show again more recently and split his time between Good Morning America and Live with Kelly and Michael, it bumped up the ratings. Well, when you have a cash cow, you got to bump up the ratings. you got to do it. So ABC, in my mind, moved Michael over to Good Morning America. Kelly Ripper was left in the dark on this thing, and I guess when she found out, she went insane. Um, she hasn't been back on the show since. She just didn't show up for work Wednesday, Thursday. She has vacation day Friday, and she's going to be off on Monday on another vacation day that she already had planned. And there's talk about her not going back until Michael's gone. And now you're hearing talk that they're going to move this show from its 9 o'clock slot to either 10 o'clock to let Good Morning America run another hour, because, again, this is their cash cow, or move it to 2 o'clock. Okay. Why, Vince August, are you spewing all of this information on this podcast? The reason I'm saying this is, in the entertainment industry, and this is in keeping really with what this podcast is about, your celebrity status as an athlete, Kobe Bryant, who just retired, as a TV personality, Kelly Ripa, you are really at the mercy of the machine. And once the machine either is done with you or doesn't need you anymore, you will get shut out of it completely. And you know, I know these people have made millions of dollars, and Kelly Ripa is probably fine. She probably has enough money to live out her life and not have to worry about ever being on TV again. But trust me, these people, their egos are all about being on TV. Their egos are all about how important they are to the network, how much their fans love them. Not even how much they love their job, no. It's not about I love my job. It's about people love me. And you need to have me on the air because people will just die without me on the air. And that's not the case. And this goes across the board for everybody. The worst thing you could do in life is take yourself to be too serious or too self-important. Because everybody is replaceable. And it shocks me to see the reaction of Kelly Ripa to this guy leaving and being moved from her show to another show. And all everything I'm reading online is how they haven't been getting along anyway. And it shocks me that a person who's working on a show, you work on TV, you talk about pop culture. They're replacing your co-host eventually with another co-host. And you're angry that you weren't consulted about this whole thing? Yeah, listen... It was probably a crappy thing for ABC to do. But in the end, you're getting paid millions of dollars 
to talk to celebrities, talk about what you did last night, and chit-chat about stuff in the news, and you're going to throw a temper tantrum and not show up for work because your co-host is taking another job? People like this should know what it is to work in the real world. People like this should know what it's like to be an attorney, an accountant, a barista at Starbucks, a stock boy at any department store, a clerk. You name the job. School teacher, administrator, hospital employee, garbage man. You should know for one day the difference between your cushy celebrity position and what goes on every day in the real world and the struggles in the real world of people getting fired, secretaries, receptionists losing their job, you know, partners in, in firms and in, in different types of businesses splitting up, medical professions splitting up, bringing on new people, losing people. I mean, are you kidding me? That she's throwing a temper tantrum and is just disgusted with the company that's made her a multi-million? You're a pawn. You're a replaceable part on this huge machine. You don't think you could be replaced? You sit in a chair and talk to famous people and basically sit there and try to be cute and likable. I hate to break it to you, Kelly. There's a lot of people that can do that job. Just in the entertainment industry alone, you have to understand, our business isn't what it used to be. You know, in the 70s, 80s, and maybe, maybe the early part of the 90s, you know, you would you would perform in shows as a stand-up comedian. You'd try to audition for different parts, and a manager would try to get you jobs and, and you would build your career along the way and then and you would attach yourself to an agent who tried to get you bigger jobs and they would create this brand that is you and slowly but surely you'd find yourself in bigger parts and bigger parts and bigger parts like a Denzel Washington who just you know had small parts small and eventually you get a starring role and stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. That's not the way this business works. The way this business works now is you have agents and managers and production people scouring social media. They go on YouTube and they look to see who's got 10 million views, who's got 20 million views, who's got 30 million views. Oh, there's a kid in Canada who's a singer and he's got like 10 million views on every song he puts out. Oh, okay. And what they do is they pluck this kid from Canada, this Justin Bieber kid, and then they stick him in the dirt and they start to cultivate him and water him and feed him and get him to grow. And then they create this bigger thing than what he could do on his own. And here we go, everybody. Now we have Justin Bieber. There's no more bringing somebody up the ranks. It doesn't happen like that. And what they do is they just, again, who's got a lot of followers on Instagram? Who's got a lot of followers on Twitter? Who's got a lot of Facebook followers? I mean, listen, Dane Cook's comedy career really got launched through MySpace. And the fact that he had just you know millions of followers on MySpace. So, you know, times have changed and people are so replaceable in the entertainment industry 
They can make or break you in a second. Just be thankful for what you have. I mean, are you serious? She's going to throw a tantrum over the fact that my co-host is leaving and didn't give me notice. How many people get fired every week? And and people in the office, you, you got to go in the next day. You got to go to work. This whole thing is blowing my mind. And listen, Michael Strahan tried to be classy about the whole thing and started saying how great it was to be a part of the show. And he thanked Kelly. Really gracious. Doing the right thing. Why? Because he's a company guy. And he's saying, hey, listen, I got to be the company guy. I got to do what's right here. These people are putting, giving me employment. I'm no longer the football player who's on TV every Sunday. I'm no longer Kobe Bryant. I had to retire. And now I want to still be relevant. I don't want to cry when I retire because I'm no longer in the spotlight. So I create this other thing so I can continue to be in the spotlight. And you know what? I'm going to be grateful for it every day because I know I could be Kobe Bryant crying. I could be Peyton Manning crying on how sad it is to leave the sport. And no one will ever know me again. I'll become irrelevant which is the worst thing that can happen in the lives of these people. So maybe that's the whole tie-in to what this show is. It's about relevancy, how we make people relevant, how people try to keep themselves relevant, how when all of a sudden your relevancy in the public eye fades, it becomes this heartbreaking moment for you and somehow for people around you. I don't know. I don't know why people cry when other athletes retire. But to me, it's just a, a, a microcosm of this constant self-importance in our society. You know what? Be part of something bigger. Don't always make it about you. Make it about the fact that you're lucky to be part of a show. One person's leaving from the show. One person's retiring from the team. Make it about something bigger. I don't know. Maybe I just ranted. I thought this would be a short podcast. I wound up babbling for 42 minutes. Jesus, I don't shut up for a minute, do I? Um, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Something different, a little bit more pop culture. Um, hopefully we won't have any tragedies to talk about, but hopefully we'll have some fun stuff happen in the news next week, and I could go off on that. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, another Vince August podcast in the books.